You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene online at BethanyNaz.org. I think it's kind of neat. Uh, you know, I preach here about every weekend, and once in a while I'll say to somebody, so why do you attend BFC? And they say, because we just love the music here. And I say, thanks, thanks a bunch, really, appreciate it, thanks. <laughs> you may be reacting at this point, and somebody may be saying, uh, we're here to worship. And, and while I like the answer, can't you worship at home? Can't you sing these songs in the shower, and doesn't God hear you from there? And... Uh, And when you get up in the mornings and you open your Bible and you read it and you pray, isn't that worship? And is it worship kind of this broad part of our lives that even includes how we go to work and how we relate to other people? So maybe I'm asking, why why do you worship here? Why do you hang out with other Christians? Why do you find yourself spending time with, with other believers? What, why do you do that? The word ecclesiology means the study of the church. Theology is the study of God. The sum total of what you believe about God is your theology. So the sum total of what you believe about the church is your ecclesiology. So what is your ecclesiology? What do you believe about the church? Do you believe that the church is the visible body of Christ in the world today? Do you believe that the church plays an important role in the development of your faith journey? Do you believe the church is there to support you and care for you when you go through difficult times in life? Do you believe that you should be committed to being part of the body of Christ in the world today his church. So, what is your ecclesiology? What do you believe about the church? In, in the book of, of Hebrews, chapter 10, I, I would love for you to grab a Bible and open it if you would like to do that. We'll also flash the words on the screen for you, beginning with verse 19. So, Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 19. Um, the writer starts this paragraph by saying, Therefore, And so I I, I sometimes think it's kind of funny to say every time I see in the Bible the word therefore, I always need to try to figure out what it's there for. And it's referring to what happens in the earlier paragraphs in the 10th chapter of Hebrews. And what's happening in those early paragraphs is that the Hebrew writer is discussing the fact that Jesus' body was a sacrifice through which we have been made holy. So that's what he's talking about. Therefore, since... We have been made holy through the sacrifice of Jesus' body. And the second word he uses is uh, brothers. And so what he's really saying is we are all with God and we're all together in this thing. Let me, let me read the words to you, okay? Therefore, brothers, we're all with God and we're all together in this thing. Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place. Do you know what the most holy place is? 
by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain. Do you know what the curtain is? That is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, and, and if to this point you're saying, I don't know if I get all that, just, just hang on, we'll get it all together, okay? But, but here's the crux of the issue. Here's what we are being called to, these next few words. Let us draw near to God. Man, that, that resonates with me. I mean, that, that's what I want to do in my life. That, that appeals, I want, to, I want to draw near to God. I want to be close to God. I want to sense that God is near me. And then he gives us qualifications. You draw near to God with what? A sincere heart, meaning that you're faithful and you're willing to be obedient and that you don't have wrong motives in doing so. I'm doing it with a sincere heart, with full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled. He's talking about Jesus making us clean and having our bodies, I mean, from this guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. In other words, I come before Jesus forgiven because of what he's done in me. And then he says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. How can we do that? Because he who promised us is faithful. You can trust Jesus. And, and then it kind of changes. And so far, we've just been talking about how we can be near to God. And it's just kind of about what Jesus has done to give us a right relationship with God. And then all of a sudden, it kind of changes. And we begin to read words like one another. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And let us not give up meeting, can you say the next word with me? Together. So we've got words like one another, and now we've got the word together. And so all of a sudden, this thing about me drawing close to God is not just about me and God, it's about me and you and God. Let us not stop meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage who? one another, and all the more as we see the day approaching. So may God bless his word for us. You know, when, when I think about the church, um, I, I don't define the church by like a building or, or an address. And, and I don't define the church as this great organization with boards and committees. If something happened to me tomorrow, and it was like tragic, like, like if there was a major accident or if I learned tomorrow that I have a, a, a pretty bad disease, see, I'm not going to say to the doctor, if you can just get me to 6789 Northwest 39th Expressway, I'm going to be okay. To be honest with you, if tomorrow I learn that I've got this major illness, this building is, is really not going to help me. And I certainly am not going to turn to some organization or some structure with boards and committee. Please, if I'm in trouble tomorrow, do not appoint a committee, okay? I need help sooner than that. But, but if tomorrow I learn that I've got something major going on in my life, I need you. I need you to come to where I am. And I need you to stand beside me. And I need you to put your hand in mine. And I'm going to need you to walk with me down that road that's in front of me. If something really tough comes in my life tomorrow, 
I need the church. I remember my daughter, Brittany, she called me when she was a junior in high school and she was reading a book because she was a part of this small group. And she says, hey, dad, I hope I'm not interrupting you, but I got to tell you what I just read. And I said, "Okay, I want to hear it. Well, I told you about the book I'm reading. Yeah. Well, there's this quote in it. I think you're going to love the quote. Okay. I think I hear you preach like this. Okay. I want to hear it, Brittany. Read the quote to me. And so she reads these words to me. A church is not a place you go. A church is the people to whom you belong. Church is not the place you go. It's the people to whom you belong. I went to the BFC Kids Visioning meeting the other Sunday night, and and I watched Jeremy Bond and Kyle Tyler put up on the screen the new logo for children's ministry. And you know what it was? It was two words. You know what the words were? I belong. And they cast a vision saying, we just want these kids to know that they belong to God and we belong to each other. And so we're in this series called Expectations. And so what I want you to think about as we move through these next few minutes together, what are God's expectations of you in relation to being a part of the community of Christ? So what does God expect of you when it comes to your participation in the church? All right, let's go back to verse 19 for a minute, okay? Here's what's going on. If you go back many years, you find Solomon is the king of Israel. And Solomon says to God, I'm going to build you a temple. To this point, the nation of Israel had a tabernacle. It was really a tent. And so Solomon builds a temple in Jerusalem for God. And Solomon talks about that temple as a place where the presence of God will dwell. And so in a certain portion of the temple, there was what was called the most holy place. It's the phrase I read to you early on in the scripture. Now, people like you and I, we couldn't go into the most holy place. In fact, most of the time, nobody went into the most holy place. But once a year, the high priest would go into the most holy place on behalf of the people. And he had access in that moment to the very presence of God. Now, if you just fast forward many more years, you find Jesus coming into our world. And he loved people. And he healed people. And he blessed people. And he forgave people. And he preached like this. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then they hung him on a cross. And Jesus died on that cross. And in Matthew chapter 27, the word of God says, when Jesus died on the cross, listen to this really carefully, okay? The curtain in the temple was ripped from the top to the bottom. And so the Hebrew writer now says this, you can enter into the presence of God by the blood through this new and living way, through the curtain that is his body. And so what the writer is trying to say is that you have access to God. And it's not an annual thing once a year. It's every day of your life. I get up in the morning and... And every morning of my life, 
You know what I do? I, I pray. I have direct access to the God who created everything. I probably could not get an audience with the governor of the state of Oklahoma this morning, but I talked to God. And so when there's times in my life that I feel like I've broken the heart of God or I've let him down, I do not go to a priest and say to him, can you somehow go to God on my behalf and build a bridge between me and him again? I have direct access and I get on my knees and I say, God, I'm sorry. And so here's what he's saying. Since all of this has happened, you have access to God. And now here's the crux of the whole thing. So you know what you should do? You should draw near to God. I mean, you should just get close to God. Because he is there and he is available and you have complete access to him. So you can just, you can just talk to God from your heart. He'll hear you. I, I think the question is, what, what does all of that look like in, in our world today? What, what does it look like for me to live a life that's drawing close to God? How does that play out in everyday life? Um, it happens in the context of community. It happens through relationships with one another. And so what the writer is saying, it's not just about you and God. It's about you and me and God. Let me, let me, let me talk to you about how he develops the rest of this, okay? Um, I, I, I grew up in a small Kentucky town, and uh, there wasn't a lot to do in that small Kentucky town. But my dad had a cousin, and her name was Doris. But in Kentucky, you don't say Doris, you say Doris. Um, you don't call Sarah, Sarah, it's Sarah, you know. And um, she had a husband whose name was Robert, and they were like the age of my parents, maybe slightly older. But, but Robert had horses, and he had a barn. And I found myself as a teenage boy spending a lot of time at the barn and really beginning to enjoy horses. Now, I'm not trying to set myself up like I, I know a ton about horses. I just, I just rode horses for a few years of my life. He had Tennessee walking horses. And, and they're great pleasure riding horses. And so, you know, I can't think of anything, you know, greater than, than on a Sunday afternoon in the fall of the year, riding one of those horses just over those rolling hills of Kentucky. I mean, it was, it was beautiful stuff. I loved it. Once in a while, we'd be getting ready to ride, and I would watch Robert watch Robert, and he would put a spur on his boot. And it bothered me. Every time he put a spur on his boot, I was like, oh man, he's putting a spur on his boot. Because I became, you know, kind of, uh, you know, I, I liked the horses. And, and I would say to him, hey, Robert, who, who are you riding today? And, and, and the conversation would go something like, he would tell me who he's riding, he would say, things are getting a little out of control. And if I don't get it straightened up now, it'll be harder to get in control later. Now, I loved it when those horses, and if you've ever seen a walking horse, how they tuck their, their neck and they do this walk. And when they hit that lick, man, there is nothing more smooth in the world. I mean, you could set a glass of water on top of your head and it would never fall off. I mean, those horses are smooth. But I understand that the discipline of getting a horse to that point requires a spur. And so I opened my Bible to the book of Hebrews and I read these words. 
spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And so my initial reaction is surely that's not what it means, right? And so I grab a a lectionary, which is a Greek dictionary, because the Bible was written in the ancient Greek language. And so I find this word, and you know what it is? You know how it's defined? To spur is to cause irritation or incitement on someone. And so it, it may irritate you, but, but I'm always going to try to get you to give to missions. I'm always going to try to get you to give your money to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people who have never heard and to meet basic human need. I mean food and water. Because I think it's my job as your pastor to spur you on toward loving good deeds. And while it may be an irritation to you sometimes and you may get tired of hearing it at times, I'm going to continue to do that because I think it's my job to spur you on toward loving good deeds. There may be a time in your life when a person comes to you who is a fellow Christian who says to you, I would only say this to you because I love you, but there is something that I'm seeing in your life that really concerns me. And at the moment, that may really irritate you. But there may become a day later where you say, you know what, I I needed to hear that. And I hated you saying it to me in the moment because I knew you were right, but you said it in a lot of love and I knew you cared about me and I needed to hear those words. We all need to be spurred along toward love and good deeds. I want you to do me a favor. It might feel a little awkward at first, but I want you to become really aware of your surroundings, okay? So by that I mean, I want you to turn around. And, and if you make eye contact with the person behind you, just nod at them. Don't let it be awkward. And I want you to kind of get your neck up in the air and, and kind of look, look to the back back here. There's, you know, can you kind of get a, an awareness? Would you do that just for a minute? Just kind of look around and kind of nod at people and say hello if you need to say hello. I want you to repeat now a Greek word after me, okay? We're talking about the Greek language some. And here's the word. I'm going to say it, and then you say it back to me. You ready? I'll say it, then you repeat it to me. Here we go. Episunagogogay. Man, you guys like blew first service out of the water. That was awesome. Episunagogogay. Do you know what it means? It means meeting together in one place. It means what's happening right here, what you just became aware of. And you know what he says about episunagogoge? He says, whatever you do, don't stop doing this. This is crucial. This is important. This is primary. Whatever you do, don't give up this. This you cannot stop. Whatever you do, he says, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. This is important. I, I, I was sick this past week a little bit. And, um, and, and I, I'm not a great patient. Like I'll, I'll say to Annette, Annette, I don't, I don't feel good. And, and for about a day, she does okay with it. But on about day two, I'll say like, I don't feel good, Annette. And she says, I, I know you don't feel good, Rick, because you've told me about four times in the last 20 minutes that you don't feel good. And I'll say, would you come here and hold me? And she says, no, I'm not going to hold you because then I wouldn't feel good. I will get what you have. 
would you, would you care to call my mom and tell her I don't feel good? She says, I think you ought to call your mom yourself if you want to tell your mom you don't feel good. My brother, he's worse than me. He'll send me a text. He has a cold, okay, just a bad cold. And he'll send a text saying, I guess you probably heard my condition worsened in the night. He's dead serious. Or he'll send me a text saying, uh-oh, I've taken a turn for the worst. You know what we're wanting? We're wanting a little encouragement. It's what we're wanting. I, f- I fell in love with a word in the Greek language a few years ago, and, and, and the word is parlike. Oh, I just blew the word really bad. You can tell I love it to death. I can't even say it. Parakaleo. And the word has meanings in which we translate it encourage, but one of the meanings is to call to someone's side. Mike, come to my side. Will you? So just right here, Mike. And so, you know, Mike might be going through a really tough time in his life. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I'm sorry I didn't know you when your dad died. But if I had have known you, I would have stood by your side. I probably wouldn't have had the right words to say. Because who does in times like those? But if I stand beside you, maybe me standing beside you would put courage in you because that would be my desire to encourage you. Thank you, Mike. You love that word too? See, I think that there are people here who go through all kinds of stuff, and I know I'm a pastor, but I don't know what to say. I mean, I do my best, but what words are sufficient? And so you know what I do? I just go to where they are. And I'm just there. And my goal is that if I'm there with you, will that put courage in you? I, I love this story about this soldier that goes off to war. And, and so he's been there for like almost a year and his girlfriend writes him and says, I'm sorry to inform you that I fall in love with somebody else. And we're getting married. And I know this is hard for you to hear, but the picture that you took with me to war is my favorite picture myself. And I wonder if you could mail it back because I would like to use it in the newspaper for my engagement announcement. And so the guy's just dying inside and all of his buddies get together and they hurt for him and they say, okay, we got an idea. So they get all the pictures of all their girlfriends and wives and they put them in a box and they send them to the girl and he says to her in a letter, I'm so happy that you found someone to spend your life with, but for the life of me, I cannot remember which one you are. Please take your picture from the pile and send the rest back. And I think what they were doing was saying, we want to encourage you, man. We want to stand beside you in this tough time. Are you beginning to get the tone? Do you see what's happening in the passage? Here's what he's saying. He's saying, you've got to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. If you're going to draw near to Christ, it takes a community. And you've got to encourage each other. And whatever you do, don't stop doing this right here. Don't stop meeting together. Because if you do, that's crucial in your life. I'm I'm always talking to you about getting in a group or getting in a class on Sunday morning. And uh, you'll find at all of our four years, there's a brochure that looks like this. And it's a list of all of our Sunday morning Sunday school classes. And it has a description of them and ages and all that kind of thing and what it's like. Pick one up and look over it if you're not in a class or a group. Or if you want to get in a small group and a home group or something like that, I would just encourage you to call Pastor Mikkel Levine and she will help you move toward the right class or help you get in a group. I just think it is crucial because that is where the growth takes place in life. 
That's where you're accountable, you're accountable to somebody. That, that's where you find a place to belong. I need a place to belong. That, that's where you care for people and people care for you. And that's often where real spiritual growth begins to take place in your life. I, I was so proud of my friend Marty. A few years ago, a friend of hers said, Marty, I mean, I don't want to sound arrogant, but I don't even feel like I really need the church right now. I'm doing so good in my walk with God. I pray, I read the Bible, I'm growing in my faith. I don't mean to sound arrogant, but I don't feel like I need the church. And Marty said, well, if you're doing that good, then I can tell you the church needs you. Who are you investing in? All of this that's happening in your life, who are you sharing that with? Who are you helping to grow? Because you understand that's the way it works. It's about relationships with believers. Whatever you do, don't let those go. Well, you know, you may say, Rick, it sounds like you're trying to get us just to attend. It's not about attending. It's about drawing close to God. And my ecclesiology informs me that being a part of a community of faith is how that best happens. I got an email from my buddy, Jeffrey. And I said to him, hey, Jeffrey, I'm, I'm, I'm using this, this Sunday. This is awesome. You wouldn't believe what I'm preaching about. A guy named uh, Sanders, a, an exec with Yahoo.com, was, was talking to a group of business people, and he says there's some things in your life that if you drop... It'll bounce back. It's no big deal. You drop it, it'll bounce back. When, when I think about uh, stuff like that in my life, things that are made of rubber, um, you know, I moved here not even a year ago, and honestly, I love the Cincinnati Reds, but I didn't watch much baseball this last year. We were extremely busy. And I would find myself running home late at night and trying to catch Sports Center, or I would find myself um, getting online and trying to figure out who was winning and losing. But I, I really, I dropped baseball last year. I mean, I just dropped it. But you know what? It bounces back. I mean, if I want to watch baseball this year, it's no big deal. I love the PGA Tour, but honestly, I didn't get to watch much TV last year. Um, Phil Mickelson won last week. He's my favorite, and uh, I didn't see any of it. No big deal. I can pick it back up. Some things in your life are like rubber. Some things in your life are like metal. You can drop them, but they're going to make some noise. I mean, you can recover, but they're going to cause some struggle. Like, like if you just decide you, you, just, you just don't have time and you have quit paying any attention to your checkbook eventually you're going to overdraw your account. It's going to make some noise. But you can recover. But Sanders said there's some things in your life and it's like glass. And if you drop this from your life, it shatters. I'm not saying God can't put broken pieces back together because I watch Him do it. But man, brokenness is hard. And so your commitment to be faithful to your spouse, 
If you drop that one, things are going to shatter. I'm not saying God can't put it back together. I watch Him do it. But boy, that road of brokenness is a tough road. If you drop your relationships with your kids or your parents, that shatters. And brokenness is a hard road to travel. And I opened my Bible, and the Hebrew writer said to me this week, can I add one more thing to that list that is like glass? And I said, okay, you can add one more thing. What is it? And you know what he said? This right here. Being a part of the community of Christ. You drop that. And it's going to shatter. And you're going to have brokenness. And the way he says it is whatever you do, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but spur one another on toward loving good deeds and encourage one another. And as you do this, you can together all draw closer to God. So I thought we could end our time this morning together. Be in that community, encouraging one another and loving one another and holding one another up in prayer. So I'm going to ask you guys to come back, if you will, Kyle, and I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. And let me just take a moment to pray for you. Father, I, I realize that it's because of my commitment to being a part of this body of believers that I have grown in my faith. And I realize it's because of my commitment to be a part of this body of believers that I find a lot of love and a lot of support in my life. And I'm thankful for it, Lord. I praise you for these people. I don't like this church. I love this church. And I praise you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.